This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. I'm as guilty as anybody of losing track of names and just digging deep into the nickname handbook, quite frankly. So, and everybody knows What's there's up, only, buddy? yeah, there's only hey, one, champ. <laughs> there's only one Greg in sports radio. It's Greg Neitzel joining us from ESPN <laughs> Milwaukee, 94.5 FM. No, in all seriousness, it's Gabe Neitzel with us. He's the uh, co-host of Jen, Gabe, and Chewy weekdays from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. there on 94.5 ESPN Radio in Milwaukee. I'm Randy Scott. You can see me and hear me, SportsCenter AM uh, on ESPN. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. Again, just to clarify, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet us at Randy Scott ESPN for me at GNeitzel16, N-E-I-T-Z-E-L, for Gabe, you can join the conversation on the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I, we're going gonna to pay off yesterday slightly, Gabe. Uh, yesterday, the call in lines, the phone lines, buzzing all day about the earliest memory you had of cologne. What was the first cologne that you remember? Cologne or perfume, because we had some, some women call in as well. Remember Judith? Sure. Judith from Indiana was 80 years old. You remember? And she was like, they were too poor in my town. <laughs> to where you know she was like we were fighting the germans and uh we didn't have any you know she was so sweet and we could have talked to her for hours because she spoke slowly but gabe your first memory with cologne is what uh, i've never worn cologne once a oh. single day in my life oh god i've yeah. never worn cologne just born with a natural or just you just smell yeah I, well, no i mean i've got the smell of the marsh so the town i grew up in in wisconsin <laughs> Uh, horse, shout out to Horicon, Dodge County, you know, in Wisconsin. Uh, like our claim Horicon. to fame. Uh, we have the Horicon Marsh, which, because if you're a small town in Wisconsin, you have to have some sort of claim to fame. Uh, it is the largest freshwater marsh in North America. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if you, I, I would, uh, maybe this is the call in line. Like, if you were to insult <laughs> someone and you said, yo, bro, hey, you smell like a marsh. Like, I feel like that's an insult and not a compliment, right? Yeah, like, we, if I. My high school, we're the Horicon Marshmen. Yeah, okay, well, that's. That's actually fear-inspiring. Like, you mentioned some dudes rolling out of a marsh. Like, I'm not, I want nothing to do with it. So join the CC call in line. It is a Preakend Vibes Friday. All right? It's Fribes Day. Whatever you want to talk about, you can call in 888-729-3776. Because we're starting off the bat with breaking news within the last couple of hours from the National Football League, where a top five wide receiver is now no strings attached, available to come to one of 31 NFL teams around the league because the Cardinals have released DeAndre Hopkins after three seasons, flat out released him. And already the Sharks are circling, and one of those Sharks wears a hooded sweatshirt in New England because Bill Belichick has not been shy about his affection, admiration, and respect for DeAndre Hopkins. That's no small thing. The Ravens are also circling. Buffalo Bills among the teams reportedly showing interest already. Gabe, how did we get to this point where this talent is available for nothing? I'm, I'm trying to figure that out myself. and maybe So I have a friend who's a Cardinals fan. And he's miserable because, I mean, the Cardinals have made him miserable. I mean, they made John Skelton go out there for a playoff game during his fandom. (laughs) And he, as a Cardinals fan, tells me that the Cardinals don't get enough respect for being a trash franchise. And that's that's the take he has held on to forever. And the Cardinals have had some issues, right? I, I still can't believe they could not find any sort of trade partner for a guy that, yes, has had issues the last couple of years, one being suspended for PEDs, others staying healthy, so he hasn't played a full season uh, since 2021, and 
he's still incredibly good. When he was on the field, he almost had 80 yards receiving per game. He's still, I mean, he's, he's, he's not the best receiver in the NFL anymore. He's probably not the all-pro guy who's going to be making those teams at the end of the year, but he's still a really productive player when he's healthy. And the fact that nobody was willing to take the risk on a guy who's going to be turning 31 soon is just shocking to me. Were the Cardinals asking too much? Because if, if instead of just straight up releasing him, you think you could get a fourth round pick, a third round pick, yeah. something for him. That's the part that's shocking to me. There, there was a heavy price tag associated with him, so I, I understand maybe a little bit of a reluctance, a little bit of hesitancy from other NFL teams to not want to absorb a salary that was pushing twenty million dollars a year, and that's that's hefty even for that talent. Now. DeAndre Hopkins turns 31 next month. Uh, we start to see wide receivers kind of you know regress and and the skills diminish. The speed certainly diminishes right around that age point. So you know it it flies in the face of Belichickian logic, uh, logic rather to buy into someone at this stage of their career as opposed to trying to sell early, right? Sell high and get out of that business. But that having been said, the Patriots, Bills, and Ravens are already expressing interest. Uh, it begs the question here, why would you do this to Kyler Murray? The stats are clear. With Murray and with Hopkins on the field, Kyler has a 63 QBR. That would rank 8th in the NFL during that span, over parts of three seasons, Gabe, to your point. When Hopkins is off the field, the QBR for Murray drops to 51. That ranks 23rd in the NFL. That's according to ESPN Stats and Info. Someone is going to benefit. Someone, some other quarterback, right, is going to win the breakup and is going to benefit. Their QBR is going to benefit from from landing Hopkins. What's the best landing spot in your eyes? I think it's Buffalo. I think Buffalo is in is at this interesting point to me in the AFC, a stacked AFC, where they've kind of been surpassed. I, I sat there all of last season. I thought the Bills were going to be the best team in the NFL. I thought that they were going to be coming out of the AFC. I thought last year was going to be the Bills' year. But part of that was me believing in Gabe Davis and and kind of believing that the the playoff game that he had where he scored four touchdowns Mm -hmm. in that wild game two years ago against the Chiefs was something that, well, of course, the 200-plus yards, four touchdowns, that's not sustainable. But I thought that was him taking the next step and showing he can be that second viable option behind Stephon Diggs. And he was just too inconsistent last year. And the Bills need more weapons because, A, they want, you know, A, you take a look at the rest of the AFC and how many weapons they have and what teams are able to do with just Stephon Diggs out there. B, you want Josh Allen running a little bit less, so you need to get him more weapons to get the ball out of his hands. And if you have Stephon Diggs on one side and over on the other side you have DeAndre Hopkins, that is going to give... I don't care how good the Jets are on defense. I don't care what teams are going to be doing. You're going to be giving teams fits with a guy who's MVP caliber and Josh Allen plus Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's what the Bills need in order to keep keep pace with what the Chiefs are and what the Cincinnati Bengals continue to build to be. If I'm, if I'm advising DeAndre Hopkins, I'm telling him, lower your price tag, right? Lower your own yep. individual price tag because they, the, the team's – out there right now who can absorb $20 million, let's say. And and I get it. If you're D-Hop, you're looking at the $15 million that OBJ got coming off of an ACL, and you're like, hold on, I don't have the health concerns, I don't have the mileage, I can get out there and outperform that with the right quarterback, right? So if you, if you want to set it at $15 million and then say, well, at the very least, I'm not taking a pay cut relative to what I would have gotten in Arizona, then the only teams that can afford you right now removing Arizona from the list because they have more than $20 million in cap space are the Detroit Lions, Indianapolis Colts, Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, and New York Jets. Now, the only reason, though, the Jets have seven... If you go onto these websites that track 
uh, salary cap space. The Jets have $76 million in salary cap space. And you're like, how? How in May do they have that? It's because they have 20 players signed. 20. The Bears have 90 relative to that, right? (laughs) The Bears are really interesting. The Lions are really interesting. And then, you know who else is the Packers, quite frankly, because they're close. They're at $16 million. So if you could convince D-Hop to take a pay cut, I don't know, though, Gabe, and let's tap into your ESPN Milwaukee insight. I don't know that you can convince Hopkins to take a pay cut and then latch onto Jordan Love. Maybe if Rodgers was still there, I don't know if you, you can do it now with a guy who started, what, one more game than you and I have for the Packers? Uh, that, that is correct. If if Aaron Rodgers was still here, it would be a lot more interesting. The Packers refuse to call it a rebuild. They don't want to use that word. Aaron Jones, the running back, said as much this week, oh, I don't want to hear about that rebuild. When you have three guys on your roster that are above 30 and that's it, um, yeah, the word for that is rebuild. And, and yeah. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is looking necessarily for a guy turning 31. I don't think he wants to help develop a quarterback. He was just trying to do that with Kyler Murray. To me, at 31, I want to go to a place where I can play in the playoffs. I want to be yeah. relevant. I have played in Houston, and now I have played in Arizona. Both places have had some success, but not the success mm-hmm. that I'm sure he wants to have where he's playing in the divisional round, playing for a championship mm-hmm. in the AFC or NFC. I think that's where he would want to go, and and he should have some options for some really good teams that still want to sign him. To me, the Chargers are the best fit to go ring-chasing right now. You have Justin Herbert, an elite quarterback. you got about 12 mil in cap space. Maybe they can get a little creative, create a uh, a couple more million dollars for you, and then you become the one, and Keenan Allen becomes the 1A, Mike Williams becomes the 1A, and that's the best receiver room uh, in all of football. The number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Call in. What's the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins? Make the pitch for your team. Pretend D-Hop's sitting right next to us in the studio, and you can talk to him and pitch your team to now an elite wide receiver talent on the market. Canteen Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. The Boston Celtics force a game six, 110-97. We're going back to Miami. We have a gnarly group, so uh, you always expect you know things to be uh, challenging in, in the conference finals. One game doesn't lead to the next game. Pressure on them, right? We down 3-0. Nobody thought you know we were going to win, so we playing free, playing confident. You know, we ready to go down Miami. We'll play uh, much better uh, on Saturday, and that's all we just have to focus on right now. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He is Gabe Neitzel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut, and for the guys on this Immaculate Vibes Friday. Um, it's tough to anchor, Gabe. I know we can see each other uh, via the magic of Zoom. It's tough to anchor when you're patting yourself on the back the way that I have been. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to hurt yourself. I mean, really, the way you're contorting yourself to get that hand back there. A little massage chair. Concerned, yeah. Uh, Listen, I I I went back. Courtney Cronin and I went back and forth yesterday. She swore that this Eastern Conference Final series between the Celts uh, and the Heat was going to end last night in Boston. I said we're going to seven games. As soon as Boston won Game Four, we are going to seven games. It's something that's only happened three times before in a series that started 0-3 in the NBA playoffs. Teams that that fall down 0-3 are 0 and 150, and uh, the Celtics are obviously trying to to buck that trend. Uh, 
pick a side, man, the Cronin side or the right side of history, the Crone Zone or the Rand Man? Are you? Are, is this thing going to end? Does this thing end in Game Six, or are we going to see a seventh game in Boston? I think we're going to see a seventh game in Boston. Although I have a hard time really trusting any of these, either of these teams right now, just because of what Boston has shown. What Boston did in Game Three and the way they quit. Like I was surprised that they came back and rallied in Game Four. Their their roster's better. Like the Celtics have a better roster now. Jimmy Butler has been to me one of the best, if not the best, players in the postseason. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA, so they've been able to ride that through most of the Eastern Conference. But it seems like the Celtics are finally starting to find a little bit of a rhythm offensively and defensively. I, I like this thing going seven. I. I don't know if the Celtics will actually win in Game 7 because I can see them playing just as tight as the Heat will once you get there. Like, right now it's loose, right? Right now you got nothing to lose because, okay, you lose in, you get swept, who cares? You lose in 5, all right. You lose in 6, ooh. But now you're on the precipice of history, doing something that nobody has ever done in the history of the NBA Mm -hmm. and come out of a 3-0 hole. I can see the Celtics being just as tight as the Heat, who would be trying to avoid being that first team to lose down 3-0. So yeah. I, could, I could see Game 7 going either way, but I've got the Celtics in Game 6. Game 7, anything can happen. It, it evokes, and trust me, I mean, I live up outside, uh, outside Boston in the Massachusetts area. We have so many Celtics fans uh, working here at ESPN, and uh, they're evoking you know, Kevin Millar from 2004 with the Boston Red Sox. Don't let us win tonight. And then because we got PD tomorrow, we got Shill in Game Six, and then anything can happen in Game Seven. And that's to your point. Let's let's you know let's get to a Game Seven first. For now, we at least have a Game Six. And as for the pressure in that Game Six, uh, Jason Tatum was on with with Roz Goldonmude, who was on with us yesterday on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Tatum knows who the pressure is on, and it's not his guys. Pressure on them, right? We down three zero. Nobody thought we should, you know, we was gonna win. So we playing free, playing confident. Uh, you know, we're ready to go down Miami. They're ready to go down to Miami. And more, Gabe, they've, to me, like you, you hear NBA players, analysts say, once they see a few go in, mm-hmm. like what that does confidence-wise, they've not only seen shots go in, they've shot better than 40% from distance over the last two games. They've seen them go in in that building. So they, there isn't that fear. And this is a team that has a better win-loss record on the road in these playoffs than they do at home. Is is this the first time in NBA history both teams are playing the nobody believes in us card? <laughs> Wait, is Miami doing that? <laughs> well, I mean, well, Miami because was doing the, it at the beginning because yeah. they had the there was the the graphic that was everywhere on social media on ESPN that uh that the advanced analytics were giving the Celtics a ninety seven percent chance of winning the series, thus leaving just three percent for the Miami Heat. Yeah. So the Heat have been playing. I mean, they've been the eight seed. They they had three minutes left and they were down to the Chicago Bulls in the play in. They've been playing the nobody believes in us card <laughs> since they took down the Bucks in the opening round. Like they've been playing that card as we've gone throughout the playoffs. And then you just heard Jason Tatum going, "Yeah, nobody thought we were going to win this game tonight." So I guess we're in the series where the first time in NBA history both teams don't have anyone who believes in them, which actually seems kind of fair because I just said I can't trust either of these teams. If the pressure's on, that implies that Game 6 has has added significance, that the pressure's on is on the Heat. You said anything can happen in Game 7. What do you expect, I, I, I'm curious, adjustment-wise perhaps from Eric Spolstra, is it as simple as getting Gabe Vincent back, right, if the ankle that he rolled in Game 4 is healthy enough? I mean, he was averaging 17 and a half, and we saw the experiment, right? I mean, there were guys getting run last night for the Heat. It's like, who's this guy? Wait, they have a Jokic? <laughs> no, it's like, no, they have a Jovich. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's close, but not quite. <laughs> you know? You know it's, Spolstra it's is the knockoff brand. <laughs> Spolstra is the best coach in the playoffs. He has been. 
he has that acumen coming in. Mm-hmm. It's not just he caught fire uh, in this postseason. I expect an adjustment, and I don't know, though, if the adjustment is to run the Celts off the three-point line. Hey, that was the adjustment last night. That was at least the mission last night. It didn't work. Celts had open looks. They they did. I think the biggest adjustment for them is finding a way to get Jimmy back to being aggressive early in the game because that's what he would do in in terms of the the Bucks in in the, in the next series in particular. He would have great first quarters, second third quarter he's getting his other teammates involved, and then he takes over in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a great first quarter, so then this you know they they were playing catch up all the way through last night. He only took a handful of shots. Like Jimmy Butler, in order for the Heat to to me, in order for them to win one of the next two games, he's got to get back to playoff Jimmy. He's yeah. got to get back to that dude who gets to his spots, who's able to finish over um, taller defenders once he gets to the rim, just has that different gear that we typically see out of Jimmy. We only saw, I think, regular season Jimmy last night, and that's yeah. not good enough for the Heat because, again, they have a roster that's not as talented, and especially with Gabe Vincent out. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of your starters, and now you're, <laughs> you're throwing out guys who haven't had 36 minutes all playoffs, and then they're logging Highsmith yeah. 36 minutes last night. So Jimmy is the the biggest key to me for the Miami Heat, and and that's just finding a way to get him to turn that on from the opening tip. Here's Butler himself. He's talking about how his Heat bounced back in Game Six. We just got to play better, um, start the games off better on the starters, um, make it more difficult for them. They're in a the rhythm since the beginning of the game, but we're always going to stay positive, knowing that we can and we will win this series, um, and we'll just have to close it out at home. We can and we will win the series. Did not mince words, although you're right. He's got to be more Hemi Butler than the James Butler that we saw last night, right? Like he was buttoned up James Butler, and apparently he doesn't like being called Hemi Butler. He's like, that's not – he told um, he told the Formula One crew down at, at, at F1 in Miami, he's like, that's not my name. That's not my name. And he was – apparently he meant business. Well, he didn't play like it last night. We'll say that. It's Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Randy Scott. In for the guys, uh, continuing to follow this breaking news out of the NFL, Cardinals clearly in rebuilding mode. Should they sit Kyler Murray for the entire season? What's the best fit here for now? The the free agent, DeAndre Hopkins, we're going to bring in someone who has sat in that GM chair and made these calls about this level of talent. All that after Gabe has this word from FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Visit FanDuel.com slash play and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Friday Vibes Day on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. However you found us, we're so glad you did. He is Gabe Neitzel. I'm Randy Scott. In for the guys. Fribes Day. We just combine Friday and Vibes Day. That's what we do. But we, it's it's a lonely we. It's just a me. But the phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What is the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins? And make the pitch for your favorite team. Make your recruiting pitch to DeAndre Hopkins. Call in and uh, join the conversation. Calling us right now, Gabe, is Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider, at Real Tannenbaum uh, on Twitter. Mike, you got a top five talent at wide receiver, one of the more important skill positions in the National Football League, suddenly hitting the market. How do we get to this point here where DeAndre Hopkins is available to 31 teams? Yeah, great to be with you guys. Um, 31 years old in two weeks, makes $19,450,000. Too much money, obviously, for a rebuilding team. A little surprised, Randy, that um, they weren't able to get you know a uh, draft choice, but Clearly, they're in rebuild mode, and someone's going to get a really good receiver in the coming weeks. Well, who do you think some of those teams are going to be that should be lining up, and he would be the difference maker to take them to the next level? Two two teams come to mind. Number one, the New England Patriots. They need a frontline number one receiver. They recently acquired Juju Smith-Schuster from Kansas City and Mike Gusecki, the tight end from Miami. I think they're better, but boy, having a number one receiver like Hopkins would make that whole team better. Obviously, it was a little bumpy when Bill O'Brien, the now offensive coordinator of the Patriots, was at Houston. Um, but I would still pursue him if I was New England. And then Kansas City, you know, Kadarius Tony is emerging. They drafted Rasheed Rice in the second round, but they lost McCall Hardman and Tyreek Hill over the last two years. So I think that would be a good fit as well. We're talking with Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider. And just looking at salary cap space here, Mike, and who has it right now? Let's say that DeAndre Hopkins is, is out there saying, I'm not taking a pay cut. I'm getting every dollar that I would have gotten out in Arizona. Uh, there are only five teams, and one of them is the Jets, but it's because they only have 20 players signed. Uh, but it's the you know Bears, Panthers, Colts, Lions. How dangerous do any of those teams become relative to you know being an actual playoff contender if they bring Hopkins into the into the fold? Oh, I boy, the Lions, you know, with uh, you know, Amaron St. Brown emerging as a real number one receiver. Um, I think if DeAndre, Hop- I think Detroit's going to win the, the North anyway, Randy, and Ooh. yeah, at Hopkins, and I think that a good team becomes even better. So I put them at the top of the list. How would you feel about the Buffalo Bills? Because I feel, Mike, that with what they have in Stephon Diggs, they need that second receiver to kind of keep up with some of the upper echelon teams there in the AFC. How would he fit on the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I think that's a another really good fit. You know. Gabe Davis is a good player. I don't think he's really emerged. And if you have Hopkins and Diggs, wow! Like now you have two bona fide difference-making first, you know, first receivers. So um, he has a big catching radius, which is really good for someone like Josh Allen, who sometimes, especially outside the numbers, the ball will sail on him a little bit. So that's certainly um, another team to keep an eye on. 
We're talking with Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Gabe Neitzel, Randy Scott, and for the guys, I'll talk about the quarterback that Hopkins leaves in his rear view. I mean, largely it seemed like when they were playing together, uh, Hopkins and, and Kyler Murray, it was copacetic. It didn't seem to be uh, a ton of bitterness, maybe some competitive fire at times on the sideline, but you can't argue with the numbers because Murray had a QBR of 63 when he and Hopkins played together and it dropped to 51 when they didn't. What does the future now look like for Murray with Arizona? This is a huge year for him. Uh, he has a new GM. He has a new head coach. It's a little bit like what's going on with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Like He's going to have to play while he's coming off of the ACL. I'm sure they're not going to rush him. But this is going to be a really important year for Kyle Murray, and um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, he has a great opportunity because – He's there, he's under contract, and if I'm him, the last thing I want to do is become a journeyman. And someone's going to have to step up. You know, they got Rondell Moore, who's a little bit undersized, Hollywood Brown, a little bit undersized. They drafted Michael Wilson, a bigger, stouter guy from Stanford who's really physical. So the cupboard's not bare, but certainly they're not as good as they were with DeAndre Hopkins, and maybe it's Zach Ertz that becomes, you know, his go-to guy. Mike, so many teams with... The NFL, excuse me, is diving into and really trying to prevent players from gambling on team properties or or an NFL-sanctioned area. And the biggest name that has been caught up in this, Jamison Williams, came out from the Lions saying he wasn't aware of the policy which led to him being suspended at the beginning of the season. Is that something the NFL needs to do a better job of explaining to rookies when they come into the league, or is that on the Lions for having to explain that to their player? Well... Look, I, I was just working in the league for over 20 years, guys. It's pretty clear what rules are, and that's not to say like the league couldn't be above sometimes communicating, but you know, if whatever 99% of the players knew about that rule and Jamison Williams didn't, then you know, what, 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 what does that tell you? And uh, you just hope he learned from it, and it's you know a small bump in what could be a great career. I, I thought he was an outstanding player, transferred from Ohio State to Alabama. I think he has a really, really bright future, but he, he needs to know the rules. That's what being a professional is. It's Mike Tannenbaum. He's our professional, our ESPN NFL front office insider. Again, at Real Tannenbaum on Twitter. Mike, we appreciate the insight. Big day in the NFL. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, Gabe Neitzel, Randy Scott, and for the guys, it's Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio on this Friday afternoon. We have Laverne in Chicago, Marcus in Texas, uh, Alex in Virginia. Call in the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What is the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins, and what is your recruiting pitch for your favorite team? Go ahead and land a top five wide receiver right now in the National Football League. That and more with Gabe and Randy. And for the guys, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. It might go to Fatburger, man. I don't know. Mike is super good. I think there's still one on the Las Vegas Strip. We're going to ask Gabe Neitzel for his best Las Vegas memory. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Randy Scott. Gabe, was the last time you were in Vegas? Uh, I was in Vegas from, in March. Atta boy. Is the Fat Burger there. still there? What's that? Is, is the Fat Burger still there? I did not see it. Okay. Where'd you so stay? I don't recall seeing it. Uh, I was at Planet Hollywood. Atta boy. It's on, it's on that side of the street. I know that. That side of the strip. Might be a, a little farther north. It's in that kind of weird like Del Taco area where like you're kind of between resorts. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I know. Yeah, I know exactly this? what you're talking about. Yeah. We're, <laughs> what exactly is going on over here that's... 
okay. It's like it's like a Seinfeld episode. How can a street intersect with itself? We are presented by universe. We are presented by yes, Progressive Insurance. You can join the conversation on the CC call in line eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. It's about to be a good day for one NFL team, man, when they land DeAndre Hopkins. What is the best landing spot for D-Hop and make the pitch to him? Assume he's sitting next to Gabe there uh, in, in Milwaukee or he's sitting next to me in Bristol, Connecticut. You can pitch your favorite team to him. How are you going to sell your squad to DeAndre Hopkins? Let's get out to the phones. Let's start with Alex in Virginia. Alex, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh I really think that DeAndre would be a good fit for the New York Giants. You know, people have been skeptical about Daniel Jones' big contract. And then a lot of people are, you know, skeptical about do we have a number one receiver. He would be a great fit because we do have a good receiving squad. And I think having DeAndre Hopkins would lighten up the load for, and the pressure on some of the other guys. And I think it would be one of those moments of either crap or get off the pot for Daniel Jones. Like, we're giving you the talent. We're giving you the opportunity. You know, and you got DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, like you said earlier, age – you know, that's a big factor that you got to, you know, put into this. But, I mean, that guy's catching radius. I mean, just his overall abilities as a receiver, I mean, he's just phenomenal. You know, and I think he would yeah. be a great fit for New York. Alex, what part of Virginia, bud? Uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Oh, there we go. All right, down 81. I know that. Come on now. I'm from I'm North, Northern Virginia, but I respect it. Thanks for, the, thanks for the call. Thanks for the time. I thought when I saw Alex in Virginia, I thought it might be about the Commanders. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe the Carolina sense. Panthers farther south you get, and I, we would have had to hang up on him because that's a terrible fit for DeAndre Hopkins. But instead, <laughs> he's right about the Giants. He's absolutely right, Gabe, because you want to take some of the pressure off of Daniel Jones to run as much as he did. Like It's fine being a dual threat. You don't need to be up there with the Lamars of the world. You know, it, like it, Having a bona fide number one wide receiver is something the Giants haven't had since OBJ was healthy, and D-Hop would certainly be that. And I think it would help kind of take them from this team that's, okay, yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs again because I I really believe in Brian Dable. I really like their head coach. Thought he had a tremendous debut last year. But having more talent on that roster on the outside is only going to elevate them and make them, to me, a more serious threat to the two best teams in the NFC in San Francisco and Philadelphia. I could not agree more. It puts them up there. I mean, listen, talent-wise, if they can lock down Saquon, it makes them relevant with Dallas from a talent perspective. Now, Dallas has squandered that talent. I'm not sure that's something that gets better this season with Mike McCarthy play calling, but uh, the Giants have proven that they can win with a mid a mid-tier wide receiver group, something that certainly improves with DeAndre Hopkins. Again, the phone number 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What's the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins? Marcus in Texas. You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Hey. So I got a wild card for him. So my team's the Jags. So right now they have about twelve million in cap space. Maybe make some cuts. Maybe uh, Evan Ingram will you know sign the uh, sign a contract instead of the franchise tag to free up some more space. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it'd be you know a good fit for him. You have a great quarterback and a pretty easy division, uh, and then also get some chance to to play the Texans twice and kind of get some payback for him. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a great fit. Perfect wild card for him. All right, Marcus, appreciate that. Uh, Gabe, I mean, you're Calvin Ridley as a 1A to D-Hop's number well, one. And Christian Kirk had a pretty good year last year. Oh, yeah. like everybody laughed at Jacksonville when they, wait, they're signing the Cardinals' number three wide receiver to what kind of contract? Oh, yeah. 
And then he ended up having a pretty good year last year. So you kind of had that reunite. You know, he gets reunited with DeAndre Hopkins. They have a relationship. I mean, I, I could see him trying to recruit him to come to Jacksonville because that's a division outside of the Jaguars that's not very deep right now. A lot of teams trying to rebuild. So in terms of easiest path to the playoffs for an AFC team, and making yourself on a team that's relevant, Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. It's right there. And you get to go against your former team, just like Marcus said, right? You get to beat the Texans <laughs> twice a year. Uh, nice. Amanda, how good is that receiver group, though? If Ridley comes back to the form that he was, which is no mm-hmm. guarantee after having uh, the year suspension that he did, but you've got Ridley, D-Hop, and Christian Kirk. I forgot about Kirk. I, Evan Ingram, like you said, is a tight end. That's Yeah. All right, let's get to Jerry. In, we'll, we'll just keep it about Florida. Jerry is in Florida. Let's go to Florida Man Jerry. You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Jerry. Okay, so um, it's gonna it does it, it on paper it's it's it, okay. It's gonna sound weird, but I want to go with Tampa Bay, and here's why. One thing is Baker Mayfield's gonna throw the ball no matter what, right? He's he's gonna throw the ball, so D Hop's gonna get a target. You got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, so nobody could cover all three. So D Hop's gonna do well there. The defense is it's still slightly intact, but above all, it's a winnable division. The only the only threat that I see in, in the NFC South is maybe the Saints. Yeah. But Michael Thomas, you, we're not sure about Michael Thomas. We're not sure about Alvin Kamara. Uh-huh. I mean, we could the the Bucks could win that division. D Hop could. It just makes sense to me. We got a good running back. The tight end, his name is Kate and Watch out for him this year. The offense is going to be a very good offense, and I think they could win the division and go to the playoffs. And Jerry, that's, Jerry. that's really it. I think it's really fair that yeah we don't know about Michael Thomas we don't know you know I agree we don't know about some of those guys with the Saints but do we know about Baker Mayfield? We we okay that's also fair and assuming he's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Jerry Bay, you're pragmatic. I love it. <laughs> but I, I think I think what makes what, what makes sense is the fact that it's a winnable division. You know what I mean? It's not more so Baker. It's more so that. The Panthers might yeah. not do well. The Falcons might not do well. And the Saints might give us a fight. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's a, it's a win. It's the best yeah. division. And DeAndre Hopkins should come. And you get to go to Burns Steakhouse. You get to go to Daily Eats on South Howard. Man, Tampa's got it. Like, I'm with you. But I, I, I you go from one diminutive Oklahoma quarterback to another in Baker, man. I don't know. I, 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 he's not wrong, though. They are going to throw the football a ton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It- if you can find a landing spot in the NFC, I think that makes the most sense because in the AFC, some some teams just have to miss the playoffs. They have so many good quarterbacks yes. that there aren't enough playoff spots for all of them to make it. And outside of Cincinnati and Kansas City, and if you want to put Buffalo there, you can, but they've lost some pieces and I can see them stumbling. I can also see them, if I had to bet on it, my guess is they'll still be there at the end, but I also see a scenario in which they could stumble. Like the NFC is wide open. You got two teams at the top there, and everybody else is going to be fighting for those. So if you can find a spot where you feel confident, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, the NFC might be the route to go. What about Cleveland? What about a reunion with Deshaun Watson? He's the best quarterback Hopkins has ever played with. They've got about seven million in cap space. Maybe Hopkins restructures, or rather, Watson restructures his deal to allow for. I don't know. I'm just an agent of chaos on a chaotic day in the NFL. Will Russell Wilson have a bounce back season under Sean Payton? We're going to dial in on that. Gabe Neitzel, Randy Scott, and for the guys, it's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from three to seven Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.